Okay, Crusaders, and welcome to another edition of Batman, the animated series podcast. I'm your host, Alex Robson, and with me, as always, is my co-host, my brother, comic book artist and writer, and the guy whose point of view is always right. It's Mr. Will Robson. Say hello, Will. Yeah, tell that one to my wife. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> you, like, every I, t- I don't think I'm right all the time. I think I'm wrong very often. I know, I was just giving you props, but I knew you'd be like, no, that's not true at all. (laughs) (laughs) I hope POV is just watching a bottle of whiskey slowly deteriorate away over a week span. To be fair, and be completely honest, I always write these in advance, but I forgot to write one for this episode, so I was like, ah, quick, in the moment, uh, point of view, boom. Okay, fine. So, it's not my finest work. POV of me in the shower scrubbing my butt with a loofer on a stick. (laughs) <laughs> that's my pov recently i'm not that... flexible anymore with age i'm i just am freezing up and it's getting worse like how bad well so i took my dog for a long walk yesterday remind <laughs> listeners how old you are just so they're not like oh, i'm 30, this poor... 32 years old <laughs> <laughs> okay and what's going on granddad i just i my my hip really freezes up now um and i can't like move like i can't twist and turn and stuff like my wife can fucking like touch her toes to her head like it's ridiculous she (laughs) rubs it in my fucking face all the time she's like well you can't do this and she just does it immediately i'm like okay (laughs) she fucking contortionist i move like an action figure that you broke as a child that you tried to super glue back together (laughs) and you're like oh it's all fixed but now the leg doesn't move or anything like that that's me and after this, after this big walk I did yesterday, sitting down on the sofa, I had lunch, and then I was like, "Oh, I need to go have a wee." And I got up, and it was, it was like, I'm like, I like hobble when I get off the sofa. Now I'm like, "Oh, I'm stiff," and I like have to like hobble away, like I'm the fucking underdweller. <laughs> it's terrible. I don't know what to say. At least doing a podcast, we sit, and maybe this is what you're destined for. You're not going to be able to move, but you're like, I can still do a podcast, and you just stay in that chair forever, just recording. Well, I've been trying to, uh, you know, this stupid phone, like, you got to close your fitness ring, whatever. Oh, yeah. Over Christmas, I was very ambitious and set it to, like, I'm going to burn 450 calories a day, which was (laughs) fucking impossible. (laughs) Or, like, (laughs) (laughs) 4.5. But I've set it now to basically uh, to walk a mile a day, and I've been keeping up with that, and it's made no difference. I'm still stiff as shit. (laughs) (laughs) Like, my feet are fucking, like, throbbing, and they're, like, mincemeat from all the strolling around. (laughs) let's talk about the art life one of the reasons that you can't move as well because you you, you stay sedentary most of the time how's the art life going it's going all right tomorrow i finish the drawing the joker backup story for issue seven of joker the man who stopped laughing nice been great drawing the joker and i got to draw a bunch of other batman characters never drawn before like two-face and scarecrow uh i told you i want to frame that woman once it comes out, I would love to be able to have a framed copy of that, bud. That's nice. I, well, I wouldn't be able to to get it to you just colored, though, it would, because um, I only I'll get... I'll take like a, black and white. I don't care. Yeah, I can send that to you, bud. That's fine. That'd be amazing. Yeah, I'll print it and because uh, I love it. I think it's such a cool... Well, that's very nice. Such a cool lineup. When people get to see it, you'll see all the odes that he put in there to from Batman the Animated Series to um, Batman 89 to some Capullo influence and, of course, your own stuff as well. So I really Absolutely. love it. Yeah, and I got to do uh, Deathstroke as well for the first time, and Poison Ivy, and yeah, just uh, Mr. Freeze, like loads of people. It was great. Yeah, 
yeah, it's it's a really cool opportunity for you as an artist, especially because they weren't like draw this specific one. They're like draw whatever mm. costumes you want, and you had you had free range. Such a rarity, but it's because this is these are backup stories. Like they're supposed to be a bit of fun, so it's complete artist interpretation of what you want to do, and that that's the best. Like that's it really awesome. is because it means I can have fun whilst working. There's nothing worse than having to like draw something that you know for your job that just you just don't want to do like uh, to be able to like be able to draw something that is a bit from your childhood that's the that's what you think a comic book artist does right i just sit around drawing cool pictures all day yeah absolutely no i know it's not like that but when you get those opportunities that's but awesome. speaking of drawing really cool pictures oh segue if, let's do it if you're listening to this podcast then guess what it's wednesday right you always ask this yes yeah my kickstarter is live that's right everybody i'll put the link in the description of this episode so people can click on it as well head to the kickstarter will what can they find at this kickstarter so on kickstarter if you search outbreaks or if you go on any of our social medias you'll see a link for it especially mine because i've been posting every single day about it Uh, i have just launched my first ever self-published comic called Outbreaks, which I'm trying to make an ongoing zombie anthology comic, much in the vein of Black Mirror, where Black Mirror has a bunch of different stories that all revolve around technology. We're trying to do the same, all revolving around different takes on what a zombie story could be. And I'm really excited about it. I've drawn a ton of variant covers. I'm even selling a blank sketch variant cover. So if you want a piece of original art drawn by me, the famous Will Robson, who works for Marvel and DC and Image and IDW and every freaking comic book company you've ever heard of. I am a professional, you know, I'm not just some fat guy doing a podcast with my brother. I do do this shit for a living. <laughs> I'm um, just some lesser fat guy that does a podcast <laughs> with my brother. <laughs> yeah, I'm not like him. Jesus Christ. <laughs> um, yeah, so there's plenty of rewards as low as I think it's you can one, you can donate whatever you want. That's the lowest tier. If you just want to chuck me a quid towards it, I would very much appreciate that. Then it's uh, three quid for a special shout out in the book. So there'll be in the book printed, there'll be like special thanks section. That's like basically you help make this book with your name listed. And then there's a digital copy, print copy, a bunch of variants, original art trading cards, uh, sign prints, sign goodies, original art from the book itself, like 11 by 17 art, which is really cool. Uh, and this, that, and the other. So yeah, I'm trying to raise £3,000 because that's how much it exactly costs to get the book colored by a professional colorist, to get it printed, and to cover all of the costs of uh, postage because postage costs a hell of a lot of money. Mm -hmm. And also Kickstarter takes 5% and then another 5% is taken on top of that later on. So yeah, three grand is the absolute minimum I could put it to. I'm actually losing money making it three grand. But I'm okay. I've already put thousands of my own pounds into this project. I'm happy to put a little bit more just to see it finally get printed because, my God, I even had something pop up in my Facebook memories the other day when I announced that I was working on this book, and that was seven years ago. Yeah, and now it's obviously it's it's time to put it out there. It is. Um, and it's it's super exciting. So, yeah, everybody, there's so many cool stories that he's got that he wants to obviously write and then have someone draw or maybe he's drawing themselves or a a combo of the two. But there's so many great stories that are are waiting to be told. And this first one is a really good one. And he just needs that extra support in order to get it out there and share it. And once it starts picking up momentum, you'll be able to see more. And obviously it can start to grow and expand and become what he imagines it to be. Absolutely. Um, 
even stories that I've written or co-written that I'm super excited to get going. So yeah, please go to Kickstarter right now. Check the link in this description or head to at Robson Inc. on his social medias. That's I-N-K to check it all out. And if you can't donate, guys, just share it because sharing is Mm. just as important as donating because it gets in front of more people. And obviously the more people that see it, the more people will be willing to donate. So yeah, if you guys have listened to us for five years, we haven't been doing this podcast for five years. But for five years, we've been podcasting Spider-Man, the animated series podcast, being the other podcast that we've been doing for quite some time now. Yeah, that would mean so much to us if you could donate or share it around. So go check it out. Thank you so much for being my my plug man there. I appreciate that. You're the only thing welcome. I'll add is um, if you want to see a preview of the book first, head to speechcomics.com. That's speechcomics.com. And if you sign up to the newsletter, you will get the first five pages to read for free. That's right. All right, should we do a caped capers? Yes. Showtime. The Joker's escape from Arkham Asylum, Robin. All work and no play, you know? It's going to be one of those nights. I don't have time for jokes. Hey, no problemo, Batman. Quiet. Come on, let's do a pizza run. You don't touch anything, say anything, or do anything unless I tell you. Got it? Relax. <laughs> You've had a busy day. All right. This week's episode of Caped Capers has been written in by Colin Thole. Colin has said, Batman and Robin go on a talk show to discuss their problems. Much in the vein of Dr. Phil or Jerry Springer, but this one is hosted by Dr. Hugo Strange and is called Strange Relationships. The topic of this particular episode is, I want to disown my ward. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Will Hugo Strange be able to help Batman and Robin? And what surprise guests will be waiting backstage? Okay. Pretty thorough scenario, but I thought it was very. Yeah, no, clever. I like it. That's that's a good that you've painted a whole canvas there, Colin. Good job, Colin. So we're we're on stage, right? Mm-hmm. Hugo Strange, of course, a new villain, and we've been doing a pop star or a famous singer for uh, a each villain that we've been doing. I think we're going to run out of pop stars at some point. <laughs> now I'm happy to keep on going if we can come up with one. Who do you think Hugo Strange should be? You're going to have to give me a second to figure that one out. I've got some suggestions, bud. What about Randy Newman? Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Yes. I don't think you should even edit that out. I think that's the way it should go. Just okay. Yes. Okay. I think you do a very good Randy Newman impression. I've heard it before. Okay. Didn't you do like an old video in film school with Randy Newman playing guitar? I impersonated Randy Newman playing guitar in film school. um, And I don't think I've done an impersonation of Randy Newman since then. Excellent. And that was 14 years ago. So. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So we are on strange relationships. Yeah. So the audience, they're clapping. clapping And then out comes. Nothing strange in their relationships. Oh, I don't know how much I'm going to be able to take this without laughing. You gotta take control for the bottom to the chip. It's a relationship, and it takes two to drive the ship. <laughs> Hello, everybody. It's me. Uh, what's my actual name? You Not guys. Randy. It's Hugo Swain. <laughs> 
Randy Strange. It's Randy Strange. <laughs> yeah, we got a very special episode for everybody here today. <laughs> we got the Cape Crusader himself, the Dark Knight, uh, Captain Crime. Some people have never called him that. <laughs> Captain uh, Crime. <laughs> Captain Anti-Crime. It's Batman. Say hello, everybody. Batman. Uh, hello, everybody. Yes, I'm here on the show. <laughs> All right. Up next, it's his word, and that's what this episode's all about. He don't like his word. He thinks that he's annoying, and I think he's kind of a cool guy. And I wouldn't mind if he was my word, actually. This song taken away from the time of the show. <laughs> As Robert on this, like, stereo. Here we come, then he's walking on to the stage. Okay, so this is the weirdest thing I've ever done, Batman. <laughs> First of all, I, I mean, I don't understand what you're saying, Mr. Hugo Randy Strange. Um, it's really nice to meet you, uh, Doctor. Sorry, Doctor. That's and, right. I'm um, a doctor. You're a doctor, yes. Uh, and I'm just a little, I'm a little uncomfortable because... I don't want to be on TV and... Shut up. See what I'm talking about? Oh, my God. He just doesn't stop talking. He complains. His voice at first was funny, but now it's just fucking annoying. (laughs) We fight crime at night, so he wears green and yellow and bright red. Yeah, I think it makes my butt look good, Batman. Oh, look, he look talks at my about his butt. butt constantly. <laughs> no one cares about your butt, Dick. I mean, I mean Robin. <laughs> I don't think you should use those two words in the same sentence, Batman. <laughs> I'll do what I like. See, he's always trying to control me. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Sail down, settle down. <laughs> Obviously, there's tension between you two. That's right, everybody. <laughs> now, there was a point where Robin actually left and joined another squad. And we got a very special guest for you today. Coming from backstage, the Penguin. Yeah, fuck who are you? Yeah, fuck who are you? Yeah, who are you? <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. You know, go screw yourself. Go screw yourself. Yeah, it's me, the bloody Penguin. Oh, and because Penguins have flippers and he's flipping people off. Yeah, flipping people off. That's a really funny joke, actually. <laughs> It's the penguins, my old friend, the penguin. What happened, little baby? We were supposed to go off together and, you know, be cool, be a couple of birds out on the town. I, I really wanted to fly the nest with you, Mr. Penguin, but my allegiance is to Batman. That's if you, the, the, the door is still open for you to go do that, Robin. Batman, I, I know you don't mean that. I know you really want me, you know, to live with you at Wayne. I mean, at the place that we can't say the name of. This is this ten times the reasons why I hate you so much. <laughs> Everyone in the crowd's like, we know that yeah. Batman and Bruce Wayne are the same person. No, you don't, darling. I'll wipe your memory after this. I it says it like running across the screen. <laughs> Bruce Wayne and Dick Grayson are having relationship problems. Yeah, that'd be amazing. You um, know, we could have been something great, Robin. I know, Mr. Penguin. And I sometimes think about it, but um, how can I say this? You're not my type. Well, go fuck yourself. (laughs) I don't bloody need you. He starts attacking Robin, like hitting him, and then the bodyguards come in. They're like, whoa, 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 whoa. whoa." I I was a part of the greatest bloody band of supervillains you've ever seen. I don't need this. Fuck all of you. Flip, flip, flip on. (laughs) And so he leaves the stage. That was quite a guess, wasn't it? (laughs) That's right. I'm still here. I'm the host of this show. Now there's the one Dr. Hugo Randy Strange. <laughs> <laughs> and now there is another 
person that might be able to solve this issue. He's your personal butler. Some would say father figure to both of you. <laughs> it's Bruce Wayne's butler, Alfred. Come on out, Alfred. Hello, everybody. Hello, Gotham. Oh, thank you so much. Oh, yes, yes. Oh, yes. Sir, yeah. I, this is beyond ridiculous, may I just say, that being on television of this caliber is just absolutely foul. It's not how I raised you. I, I've seen you watch Real Housewives of Beverly Hills in your spare time, Alfred. So what do you think might be able to solve this little beef that these two are having over here? What can you do to solve the problem? You're a butler, so you gotta clean it up. You're very strange. <laughs> That's my name, baby. I didn't even think of that when I said it. Oh. Well, Mr. Randy Hugo Strange Man, listen. Oh, Doctor, sorry. Doctor, everyone. please. Doctor, sorry, sorry. Um, I love Br- Batman, and I love D- Robin as much as I would love my own children if I had any real children. And I just want them to be happy because oh. every night they come back to Wayne, I mean to the Batcave, and they they just are always arguing. And I thought maybe they could just make up and we could all be a happy family together. Now, Alfred, you were talking a lot about you would love them like they're your own family and that they're all a big family. Well, guess what? The DNA results are in. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I'm like I'm I'm sitting here like I don't even need to be a part. We of this have guy. Dick's real father in the studio today. He dead. He's <laughs> not on stage. Introducing our next special guest, Michael Joker. <laughs> You're my real dad. Nah, baby, I just messed with all the stuff. Because I'm a joker. It's a, it's a practical joke. <laughs> That's not uh, very funny, Mr. Joker. That's really me. <laughs> you know, your dad's dead. He fell off a giant pole and he fell on the ground. Splat. <laughs> Splat. <laughs> yeah. Splat. Gotcha. I want to go home now. <laughs> I'm very sad and uncomfortable. Robin. Batman. You're the only one. <laughs> <laughs> Robin. <laughs> you are the only one that knows what it's like to deal with all of these superstitious cowardly lots, all of these washed up pop stars that paint their faces and cause crimes at night. I'm slowly realizing now that the only one that can... <laughs> Sorry, get a little emotional here. Uh, I haven't cried since my parents died. Oh, oh you unzip me. Oh. <laughs> Robin. Yes, Batman. Thank <laughs> you. I, I, I'm sorry. I come to realize now that you are the good type of chaos that can help me fight all of these criminals. Will you please become my ward once more? You had me at chaos, Batman. Mm, that was pretty far into my sentence. <laughs> I can't remember what you said at the beginning, Batman, but yes, Batman, yes. Wow, looks like we solved a lot of problems here today. Bruce Wayne and Dick Grayson have made up, and they're all ready good to go. All right, everybody, thanks for joining me on Strange's Ways. Strange Days? 
Strange Relationships. Strange Relationships. That's the name of my show. Tune in next time when we deal with all forms of addiction like Catwoman on Catnip and Beyond Venom Poison. I'll see you then. (laughs) Bye. You got a friend in Strange. Yeah, it's about relationships. Yeah. I did a lot of soundtracks in the 90s. All right, if you enjoyed this podcast, please be sure to leave us a five-star rating and a written review on whatever platform you're listening to us on right now as it helps us back grapple up the charts and attract both new listeners and guests. Tell a friend about the pod or share it on your socials as that's the fastest way to grow a podcast these days. Also, go follow us on social media at BatmanTASPod on Instagram, on TikTok, on Facebook, on YouTube, everywhere else but Twitter, which is at BatmanTASPod1. And that's because why? We are the number one Batman the Animated Series podcast. You're goddamn right. And it has nothing to do with someone else taking that handle on Twitter. And I did just tweet them last night and I didn't even try to be funny. I was just like, you're not using this. Give me this fucking handle. Yes. <laughs> I called him a chump. <laughs> a chump. No, I was like, give me this handle, you chump. <laughs> And on our socials or in the description of this episode, you'll find our Linktree account, which includes a tip jar where you can give us any amount of money you can afford to give, if you so wish. Podcasts cost money and become even harder to monetize these days, and as we aren't billionaire playboy philanthropists and do this all on our own dime, any amount you can afford to give us is not necessary, but always greatly appreciated. Plus, in the description of this episode will be Will's Kickstarter for Outbreaks. You can click on that link, head to his Kickstarter, share, donate, do what you can. And finally, you can follow me everywhere at Chef Alex Robson, and you can follow Will on his socials, stay up to date on what he's working on now, and get a glimpse into the workday of a comic book artist and writer. Will, where can our listeners find you? Anywhere at Robson Inc., and that's Robson I-N-K. That's right. All right, so today we're going to review the episode POV, but first a couple news bits, then we're going to do some casting for our live-action Batman, and then we'll get into the episode. First bit of news for you, bud. X-Men 97, we talked about this on Mm. Spider-Man, the animated series podcast, available on all podcast platforms. And uh, we talked about X-Men 97 returning after many years, the cartoon is coming back. Well, it is rumored, uh, heavily rumored, in fact, that it is not only going to return, but it may return as many as four seasons. So not just like we're going to do one final season and close it out. It's coming back in a big, bad way. They've got four seasons apparently planned for this show. Makes sense. I mean, if you're going to play with nostalgia, why just do a one-off when you can really round it out some more? That's true. Try and get as much money from it as possible. That's fine. Yeah. So that's due to come out sometime later this year, the first uh, new season of that show. And all the voice actors are returning. And I saw the voice actor for Wolverine doing his bit. And I was like, oh, yeah, this this seems fun. You say, let's go, bub. I think he said exactly that. Yes. Nice. (laughs) Yeah. No, well done. You said the thing. (laughs) No. Next bit of news. Warner Brothers and New Line Cinema have signed a multi-year agreement with the Tolkien estate and plan to take more movies that are set in Middle Earth during the Third Age. And they don't plan on remaking the Lord of the Rings trilogy or The Hobbit. They've said that. But they plan on using the same characters or some of the characters in those stories to tell new stories. So potentially okay. could be great. Potentially could be a big pile of shit. Uh, we'll have to wait and find out. But the so they're fact- trying to turn it into like 
like a Marvel or DC where it's like, these are the characters and we're going to use them for other scenarios. Yeah, I suppose you're right. Yeah, like, did you ever wonder what Aragorn was up to before he met Frodo and the rest of the Hobbits? You know, like I mean, maybe... Yeah, isn't he like 180? So there's plenty yeah. of years to... Yeah, it makes sense. I mean, there was a video game called Lord of the Rings The Third Age, wasn't there? And they explored yes, there all was. that stuff. Yeah. Yeah, so they'll probably just expand on that. You've got people like Legless, you've got people like Gandalf, you know, you could do loads of things because they've been around. Sense. It's it's so franchisable. It's just you've got to get the right people to do it. Like, you know, Peter Jackson, he cared about that stuff. Yeah. And his vision was um, incredible for those movies. Yeah, it was. Um, they are absolute timeless classics now. And it's it's hard to find the right person to do that. It still amazes me that Peter Jackson got that job in the first place coming off of his like indie horror work in Australia. Yeah. But that's like Sam Raimi getting Spider-Man, you know? And yes. it's like, do you think that's why they gave a chance on Sam Raimi? What, because Peter Jackson came from a similar background? And but it's so funny it. because Peter Jackson made movies because he was inspired by Evil Dead, you know? So right. it's like a... It's, uh, uh, Comes full circle. It does. Most of the time, I think when people do that, when they give directors that don't have a lot under their belt a chance with a big movie... Most of the time, it probably fails. There's probably more failures than there is successes like Sam Raimi or Peter Jackson taking on huge yeah. franchises. It could be a budgetary thing, though, as well. Yeah, it could be. You know, you know, to get Spielberg in to do something like that, it could have cost a lot of money. Or Oh, yeah, it would have been ridiculous. Yeah. Can you imagine Coppola's uh, Lord of the Rings? It'd be pretty good. It'd be very graphic. Just like Aragorn coming up, just shanking a hobbit. Like, <laughs> like <laughs> give me the ring! Just stab it over and over again. <laughs> you know, if it was like a toned down version of his uh, Dracula. <laughs> I, just, I just had a thought of like Frodo waking up in bed and there's just like the head of an orc and he's like, ah, <laughs> just bloodied sheets. I'm not even talking about that Coppola. I'm talking like Bram Stoker's Dracula Coppola. Even though that movie's over the top ridiculous, it's mm. one of the most prettiest movies ever made. Yeah, it is actually a good looking movie. Yeah, but it's just a terrible movie. That's I mean, the problem. choice of Keanu in that is so weird to me. That's just I, there's many worse choices than Keanu. That movie is just a smut. It's just softcore porn. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. Continuous. Everyone is so horny. I, I don't know if Coppola was like reached an age where like he was at his peak horniness or something like that. But <laughs> I feel like everyone on the set was like having a laugh. <laughs> throwback it's the only way i can get hard and come but <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah moving on yep. uh brian taylor who is the director of crank and ghost rider spirit of vengeance which was one of the many nick cage ghost rider movies that came out there was like two maybe three i think definitely two though yeah and then spirit of vengeance was the second one where it was like he's coming back but he's not like your your pg-13 ghost rider anymore he's a hard r ghost rider so brian taylor is set to direct a new hellboy movie which will be another reboot for the character taylor has said we will go back to that and do a real reset and really give everyone that version of a younger hellboy wandering the dark corners of the world Paranormal Investigator, Night Stalker. The movie is set in the 1950s and no release date has been announced yet. So if it's the 1950s, he's more like, he's proper hell boy, like teen boy, mm-hmm. because he arrives in, in World War II and he's a baby when he arrives. Yeah. So if it's in the 50s, he's going to be like 13, 14 Hellboy boy. Well, I'm not looking forward to that personally but um you know if, if i want a director if i could choose 
a director to make a Hellboy movie, it'd probably be someone like Peter Jackson or mm. uh, Sam Raimi. I mean, Sam Raimi's Hellboy, that's going to get butts and seats. Yeah, that's true. Not the guy who directed Crank. It's And it's also, as you were saying with Hollywood, is a big, is a big uh, conglomerate to blame here because really they're they're seeing the ones that are successful and of course monkey see monkey do so they're like what do we own we got hellboy let's fucking reboot that what do we got ghost rider yeah let's make five different versions of that they're just like pumping them out without thinking about storytelling or anything else so just like if it's got a hook if it's slightly different than the last few movies let's just pump it out and hope people think they like it you know it's the problem it's, is it's it's a fine balance to have create a successful franchise that has uh, a visionary behind it, uh, creative writing, great visuals, and the it factor um, that isn't just like the problem I think with a lot of modern day Hollywood is that everything is extremely cotton candy is the only word I can think about it or bubble gum. Like mm. it's just, there's nothing to it. It's just like real, just like it's, it's factory made. Like it's yes. just, I, I I'm I know what I'm going to get from seeing this stuff, and that's not the type of content I'm looking for. It swings the other way when you like, fine, I'll just go watch an art house movie or an independent movie, and it's so wanky and mm. so like Smith for your own farts in a, a cup. Like for instance, that lighthouse movie. I know people liked it, but fuck me, it was too far for me. I was like, this is ridiculous. <laughs> so my favorite stuff is that balance in between, right? Look at a movie like The Dark Knight absolute blockbuster movie major franchise batman but directed by someone who was a really smart director a smart writer and making uh artistic choices like casting heath ledger as the joker and knocking it out of the park like that's what i'm looking for it that, that's what really excites me is something that can take two things that i like because i do like dumb fun hollywood movies as long as they know what they are yeah i just don't like a dumb fun hollywood movie that's like forcing merchandise down my throat i don't know i'm going on a tie right now it doesn't matter you know what i'm trying to say <laughs> big hollywood big bad bad art house too smart for dumb dumb uh me need bit smart and bit dumb perfect blend <laughs> <laughs> it's the it's the third bowl of porridge right like it's just yes it's the combo of both that's what you want exactly um, and our final bit of news before we go into our casting call is The Batman Part 2 is set to start filming this November. There's been no villain or plot that's been announced. So, yeah, it will be interesting to see who they use as a villain and we'll wait to find out. But that's set to start filming this November. Cool. I'm on the edge of my seat. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Let's get into our casting call. I still don't have a jingle for this segment. I don't know what I think it'd be more like off the cuff. Like, I think you did like casting call. Who do you like? Well, who do you like for something like that? Casting call. Who do you like? Who do you like? Yeah, that's not bad, right? Okay. All right. So since we have not cast a few characters that have appeared in the show but have a more prominent role in this episode, we thought we'd save it for this. So we have not cast a James Gordon. We have not cast a Harvey Bullock. And we have not cast a Renee Montoya. So what we do every episode, for the listeners that don't know, is every time we come across a character that features heavily in this show, we cast them in our own fan-casted live-action Batman, the animated series universe. And we try and keep it modern day. When I say try, 
try, I always end up casting people that are too old for the role that would have been perfect like 15, 20 years ago. So I tried which to you've say, already done. Which I because this morning on Messenger, you were messaging me like, I've got the perfect choice for Gordon, bud. And I'm like, is he over 70? And you're like, he's 78. I'm like, well, I can't wait to see him in one movie before he dies. <laughs> yeah, he's too old, but he would have been perfect. All right, let's start with Gordon then. Tell me who the 78-year-old was. All right, so the reason I chose him is it was based solely on your wife's description of Gordon, because as we've established, your wife fancies Gordon in the show because of all the reasons Gordon can get it, yeah? Mm. And I thought her description, like strong jaw, broad-shouldered, tall, like a manly man with a mustache... And Tom Selleck really stood out to me. Uh, yeah, it's, yeah, it's a great choice. But he's seventy-eight. Yes, he was. He played a man who was twice the age of someone he was dating in Friends from nineteen ninety-two. <laughs> yeah, so I guess twenty years ago, Tom Selleck would have been the perfect. And have you choice. seen what he looks like now? He looks like a thumb that's about to explode. Yes, he does. But Gordon's face looks like a thumb, but not that old. No, it's a it's a perfect choice. Now I'm going to segue into mine because you actually nailed on the head there because you've got. Someone who is a manly man, right? Mm. Uh, won't take gruff for nobody, but also has heart. That's, that's what such... I have now. Yes. Yeah. Like, yeah. And that's so important because I have a few, I, I have a bunch of casting choices. Like at first I had like Brian Cranston and uh, David Morrissey and all these other people. And Brian Cranston has been Gordon before yes. in, in as voice acting in Batman year one, which was very good. So yeah, I can see that. Yeah. But I was like, it's all about, it's that perfect blend of, I can kick your ass, but also I'm so full of heart that, you know, I could do something that would make you cry, like, because I, my love for something. Yes. And that's why I chose someone who has a great mustache, like good mustache power, which is super important. Yes, it is. Can, yeah. Can play a manly man, tough and tough, not taking shit from nobody, but it can also at the right moments pull on your heartstrings. And that's why my choice is Nick Offerman. Nick Offerman, remind me. Uh, Parks and Recreation, he plays. Oh shit! How did I? Why did I blank? He was on just that? in The Last of Us. Oh, that would be pretty good. I see him easily being. Uh, oh yeah, and to he Barbara, is not yeah. taking crap from nobody, but also being like, I need Batman to help me in these scenarios. Oh, and buddy. you know that guy's mustache game is on point. Yeah, and you know, there's a scene in this episode that we'll get to review where Gordon demonstrates within seconds. His ability to be like the don't fuck with me because yeah, yeah, I'm gonna grabs, mess grabs that dude, right? Yeah. Shoves him. Yeah. And then in the same instance, is like smiling and giving their badges mm -hmm. back and being a heartfelt, like, well done, detective. I can that's, see that's Nick Ron Offerman. Swanson. That's Ron Swanson. Oh, buddy, I think you've nailed it. I, I will tell you my choice, but I think I'll pass it over to you. So I had two choices that I was juggling, and I went with one over the other simply because I thought that the heart was still there, but also the manliness. And that's Dennis Quaid. And I think Dennis Quaid would have made <laughs> okay. a pretty great Gordon. Not as good as Dennis Quaid. Uh, he's in his like mid sixties. He is 68 years old going on 69. Too old. That's too old. Okay. Uh, and this, the second person I chose was Jeff Daniels, who I thought would be a weird choice, but also has a lot of heart. Jeff and would be remind me again. Jeff Daniels, now this is the role that I don't want you to picture him as Gordon, but he is in Dumb and Dumber with Jim Carrey. He's the other. No, no, I can definitely see that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Batman is also, I'm pretty sure. 
It is early 70s. Very close to Yeah, mid-60s probably. Uh, Look, you nailed it with Nick Offerman. Yeah, my choices were good, but again, maybe 10 years ago they would have fit perfectly. Nick Offerman, I can see Nick Offerman as well. There's there's an episode where Gordon is shot and he's in a hospital bed Mm -hmm. for a lot of the episode. I think it's called I Am The Night. And there's the moment where he's in bed and he like wakes up as Batman has saved him from being shot. And he's like, you got to keep fighting. You got to keep going. You're, you're a hero. And just the way he delivers that, I can see Nick Offerman delivering that like line for line, like in bed, he's this unknowing hero because Batman goes, you are a hero, Jim. Mm. And oh man, it like every time I get like my eyes just well up there because I love that moment where Batman's just like, you're my hero, you know? Mm. And like, Nick Offerman is the unsuspecting hero. He was in The Last of Us, you know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. he he protected his boyfriend from so many dangers because he took on that hero role. So he can protect the streets of Gotham. I'm in, like Commissioner Gordon all the way, Nick Offerman. I thought it was pretty damn good casting. Yeah. That was very good. When you said it took you 40 minutes today, I can see why, because that was a very good choice. And I had other people behind that. I had Ian McGregor at one point, John Hamm as Gordon. Like I had all these people. John Hamm would have been pretty good. He's got that chin. That yeah. would have been that would have been your wife's choice. Oh yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Jesus All right, next one we're going to cast is Detective Harvey Bullock. I'll go first this time. This was so. This tough. was tough. Now, I had a more obvious choice, and then I went kind of left field, and. I think he would be absolutely perfect because Bullock, first of all, is this gritty, like I'm from, I'm from Brooklyn. Like he I'm feels from the like, streets. I'm from the streets. Yeah. I grew up in the streets. I learned from the streets, but also he has some perfect comedic moments where he doesn't yeah. realize he's funny, but he's very funny. So I thought, okay, those two elements need to go together. Plus you need someone that's of a broader, wider build, right? Like he's a heavy set man. And I, was looking around and he's got to have like the five o'clock shadow scruff and everything. And I was thinking who would look good in a trench coat who would be like, Oh, this guy again, like the freaking bat, like, you know, just getting annoyed. And I thought Nick Frost would be absolutely perfect for detective Harvey Bullock. Nick Frost is Shaun of the dead. I know you're laughing cause you're like, <laughs> he's only done comedy, but I've seen him do some serious stuff. And I've seen him go into like Nick Frost can do like a Brooklyn accent. That was the only thing that I was thinking. If he can't do that, then obviously it's lost. But he looks like Bullock. He can nail those comedic elements. He also can be tough. I've seen him be serious and gritty. I can see him getting angry. Like when Batman interferes. I can make Simon Pegg Gordon then. No, no, you don't need to always pair the two. They're two different people. They don't have to go together. I think Nick Frost would be good. My second choice was Vincent D'Onofrio, who is the kingpin in Daredevil. I still think you're thinking a bit old. Well, that's why I went Nick Frost, because he's a bit younger. How old do you see um, Bullock? Character? Yeah. Mm, 40s? Yeah, me too. Yeah, Nick Frost is in his 40s. No. What? No, he's not. Are you serious? Nick oh, Frost, he's 50 years old. Okay, well, that's just at the limit. That's fine. He looks younger Got anyway. 51. Got a useful face. Uh, I think that's too left field because I can't see him doing like a Brooklyn accent and stuff like that. Um, this was the t- this one took me like half an hour to do, and I have so many choices because it leans in so many different ways, right? Because it's got to be someone that's a bit 
stupid but smart, like street smart at the same time. Uh, I do think that should be someone a bit more of a heavier set, someone who who can accidentally be funny, as you said, and just someone that you could just see just hating the Batman. And that's why, which mine is also out of uh, left field, is an actor called Josh McDermott, who plays Eugene in The Walking Dead. He's somebody that, you know... Oh, you've fucking done it. A little you piece bit of shit. You've done it again, you son of a bitch. That's a very good choice. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, I just think um, he's he's the perfect choice. I mean, it's it's someone that you could see. The thing about it, it's like someone that looks like they could be corruptible, but they're not. And Eugene lived that in The Walking Dead where he joined Negan's squad and everyone's like, I fuck, even the actor, like, he got hate from people. I fucking hate this guy, but he was yeah. actually on their side the whole time. So that's, that's true. And Bullock is choice. incorruptible, right? Like, Bullock is that guy yeah. that you think would be a turncoat, that you think would be taking money from the mob and being like, I'm on the cut. But he's so, like, black and white. I'm I'm the good guy. You're the bad guy. I put bad guys in prison, um, and I can see him also being like, "I'm gonna sneak a cheeky donut." You know what I mean? Like when there's Absolutely. a big thing, uh, or like have a messy car full of all that stuff, which was in this episode. Absolutely, yeah. I think yeah. Well, I'm glad you like it. Okay, you've done can it I, again, bud. Can I tell you all my other casting choices because I have so many of them? How many? I'll just go through it quickly. All right. Uh, another one I had was David Harbour, who's the guy from Stranger yep. Things who played yep. Hellboy. Uh, I had John Carroll Lynch. Who's David Hobb is super jacked now. He wouldn't be yeah. good for Bullock at all, yeah. John Carroll Lynch was another one of my choices, who is the guy who trains Morgan in The Walking Dead. He also played the the creepy clown guy in American Horror Story. Um, okay. He's like a, a big, big oafish sort of man, but intelligent at the same time. Yeah. Um, I have someone here called bon- Bobby Cannavale, but I don't know who that is so there's any bobby cannavale fans out there you let me know if you think that's a good choice uh i had danny mcbride at one point but then i thought that would be a bit too funny yeah oh danny mcbride's actually a decent choice though i know what you yeah. mean he's not just as in good terms as of attitude best. right but yes i think he'd make me laugh too much being honest. yeah because he'd be like you goddamn bat why you gotta be in yeah, here messing exactly. with my div- yeah <laughs> exactly and then i even had um uh, dean morris at one point who plays uh he's in breaking bad he's the main police guy in Breaking Bad, but I thought he was too bald and too old. Yeah, um, yeah. And then my last random choice was Jeffrey Dean Morgan, but then I was like, nah, he, it just wouldn't work. But he was on my list. To nah, he's him. more of a villain vibe, isn't he, than a, yeah. than a sidekick or a, a, on the good side. Um, no, I settled with Josh McDermott. Yeah, I like Josh McDermott. I think that's a really good choice. So I'm in on that one. Two for two, bud. And then finally, Renee Montoya. This was my easiest one. Uh, okay. For me, I thought this was an a simple like oh yeah that that makes so much sense do you see this character being i see her being in her oh i didn't check the age but i see her being in her late 20s okay yeah maybe uh, maybe 31 at a push yeah right someone in their early 30s could play someone in their mid-20s yes okay thank you um my choice is Melissa Fumero from Brooklyn Nine-Nine, who plays Amy Santiago. I think who she's perfect. In her 40s. I think she's perfect because she is Latina for one. She's got this, like, Renee Montoya has this side to her where she's like, I want to do everything by the book, but also 
I want to stand out from the crowd. Like I want to show my skills. I want to be able to be a detective that's recognized. And I want to climb, climb the ranks, not just as a woman, but a Latina woman. That's really hard to do. And I think Amy Santiago is encompassing all of that in Brooklyn Nine-Nine and more. Another perfect casting choice for a movie that should have come out ten or fifteen years ago. You know what? I'm going to stretch it because I think she'd be. I think she'd be great. So you want to cast uh, Montoya, an actress that's older than the actor who's playing Batman? Yeah. <laughs> well, I went for a much younger person, someone who I think um, is also obviously Latino, uh, someone who I think um, has an old school vibe to themselves. Is already on another show where they're proving that they can be sort of solving mysteries. And my choice is Selena Gomez. Only murders in the building. Um, She's 22 or something like that. So she's young. I can see her just being fresh fresh off the beat cop that wants to really make a difference in Gotham. You're such a... Not a 40-year-old woman that would be the captain of the... You know what? I'm going to stop playing this game. When we we do this, (laughs) I'm just going to be like, who'd you cast? Because... they're gonna be the ones okay bud i'll give it to you and you know what speaking of who'd you cast i've been thinking about miles teller as our batman over the last few weeks just in moments where i'm like sitting around lying in bed and i'm like would he work and the more i see miles teller like pictures or in like clips that he's been in the more i'm like he is not only the exact look and feel of the bruce wayne in the show but i think he would be an excellent fucking batman as well so <laughs> and if you're listening and you disagree that's cool this is our universe and if you've got your own you can always share it with us just at batman tas pod on socials who do you think should play people like gordon bullock montoya do you agree with our choices do you disagree if you want to let us know that you disagree don't be a dick about it but you can <laughs> let us know hey this is who i would cast that's cool uh, and then finally on our casting call news we had a debate over who was going to play... Oh, yes. Uh, what character was it? Uh, the Underdweller. Uh, the Sewer King. The Sewer King, yeah. Sewer King. Uh, it was between Ty Burrell and yep. Bruce Campbell. Yeah. Put it out to the vote. Bruce Campbell won by a landslide. Yeah, I think people love Bruce Campbell, right? And that would be a fun role. But I think Ty Burrell is excellent casting for that role as well. Well, thank you. Um, but we put it out to the listeners. And the last time we did that... You changed your mind, and my original choice is the one you went with. So let's not do that again. Let's let the listeners speak. <laughs> if they want to see Bruce Campbell as a sewer king, they get Bruce Campbell as a sewer king, which is also a very good choice. So yeah, I'm in for that. That that casting, honestly, it took me like my whole morning to do. It, it, I took it very seriously, and yeah, it ate up my morning doing that. <laughs> I'm so sorry to inconvenience you. You know what? It paid off though. You got three for three. Yeah. All right, let's review this episode. Okay, this episode is titled POV. It came out on October 17th, 1992. It was directed by Kevin Altieri, written by Mitch Bryan and Sean Catherine Derrick, featuring Kevin Conroy as Batman Bruce Wayne, Bob Hastings as Commissioner Gordon, Robert Costanza as Detective Harvey Bullock, Robbie Benson as Wilkes, John Constantine as Hackle, 
Ingrid Olu as Montoya, Ron Perlman as Driller, and Marcelo Tubert as Carlos and Scarface. Did you say one of the actors is called John Constantine? Constantine. Oh, okay. So we've got some honorable mentions here. Robbie Benson as Wilkes, who's the, the rookie, is also the voice of Beast in all the Disney animated movies and TV shows of Beauty and the Beast and the video games as well. He's also been in episodes of Severance, Seinfeld, and Sabrina the Teenage Witch, and credited as a director for six episodes of Friends as well. So he's a director. Uh, Ron Pellman. Now, we all know him. Plus, he's obviously uh, a character, a main character in the show. He's Clayface. So I'm going to save all his credits for when we get to the Clayface episode. But oh, he's he had a, such a good henchman in this. He's great, isn't he? I really liked the Driller. It's such yeah. a... It, oh, I is mean, that his name in it? The Driller? Yeah, the Driller. Like, that's like a porno name, right? <laughs> um, and then we've got Marcelo Tubert or Tubert as Carlos and Scarface, who's another one of the goons. He had this like scar mm-hmm. all over his face. He's the one that gets sprayed with pink paint. That, by the way... That utility belt farts when it sprays that pink paint. Did you hear the clear <laughs> no, fart I, noise? No, I didn't. As he like hit, because he's trying to like use a screwdriver to get into mm-hmm. Batman's utility belt. And then it goes, <laughs> and it just sprays pink paint. And I'm like, the utility belt just... Sh-. Little April Fool joke from Alfred there. It shorted, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, so Marcella Tuber, who plays Scarface, Carlos, is also the French leader in G.I. Joe Retaliation movie. Uh, the one with the rock in it. He's also a cost Jared in Star Trek The Next Generation, Mr. Alvarez in Star Trek Picard, and Dominic Magnolia in The Offer. So he's in The Offer at one point. He's in one episode. He was like one of the mafia bosses or something that they were dealing with. Okay. Plus, he's the voice of Ortiz in Batman Beyond and Sonar Man in Superman, the animated series. All right, I'm going to open up my utility belt for some fun facts. The structure of this episode is reminiscent of Rashomon, which is a movie in the, from the 1950s, in which the audience is presented with four different and conflicting eyewitness accounts to a murder. The difference here, though, is that the flashback shows that Bullock is obviously lying, while in the film each witness uh, each witness's story is presented as truth, and the contradictions only come out when they are compared. It's a classic trope that's uh, always fun. I never had. I love any episode or any story when it's like this is my version of the story Me it's too. always good it's been used in like every cartoon we've ever seen from a kid i think there's a rugrats episode that does this yeah like there's so <laughs> yeah. much stuff that does there's an issue of spawn that does this as well where these three guys like he finds uh this woman's been murdered and spawn interviews these three guys and they all tell a different story and it's really good and yeah it's, it's just one of those tropes that i like this is the first episode where Batman does not appear out of costume. So it's the first time we don't see Bruce Wayne in this in the show so far. Originally, Montoya, Bullock, and Wilkes told their accounts of what happened in a coffee shop instead of police headquarters, and their careers weren't on the line. Now, this is really interesting. This episode also would have delved into Bullock's and Montoya's backstories, revealing that Bullock was once a high school sports star with, yeah. an, with an abusive father... Oh. Who dr- who drilled respect for the rules into him, but also explained to him drilled. Is it the driller? Dun dun dun. Is the driller his dad? No, that would have been amazing though. But drilled uh, respect into him, respecting the rules, which explains his intense dislike of Batman, which I think is a really cool parallel okay. to pull from. And also, uh, he told him not to be a team player, to be a star, which 
it definitely comes into play in this episode. Whilst Montoya would have been revealed to have grown up in Crime Alley as a reformed teenage punk who cleaned up her act and dedicated her life to helping people uh, and also had an encounter where she was called a liar and she wasn't a liar, which again plays into this episode. Their backstories were axed by the censors, unfortunately, and is one of the main reasons why writer-story editor Sean Catherine Derrick left the show in frustration. And you know what's so interesting? When Sean Catherine Derrick left, went straight over to Spider-Man the Animated Series and started writing for them. Isn't that interesting? interesting. Yeah. Uh, so well, to be fair, that's too much information for this episode. It would have been, but there are moments where I'm like, "Oh, you could have cut that," and I wouldn't have mind seeing some of the flashbacks. But yeah, I suppose you would still need to elaborate a couple minutes for each story, and that would have overrun. So yeah, cutting it down makes. Did sense. he have a backstory for the rookie as well? No, which <laughs> the rookie was kind of pointless in this episode because either make him. I was thinking either make him corrupt, like he's on the take with the mob, or maybe no, he's, yeah, that would have been fun. You know, or maybe he's the big boss man himself. Like, whoa, what a twist. Ah, that's cool. I like that, bud. Right? Yeah. Because otherwise he's just there and he's just a rookie. And yes. I much and if you're not gonna use him to make like a twist or a big part of the story, then it's much cooler to have Bullock and Montoya being the two stories that are conflicting. But I know why he was there because it's the rule of three. When you tell stories, you usually uh... you have to do beats of three. It's just something, if you guys don't know anything about writing, watch and pay attention to things you watch because usually things that happen generally happens in a three. It's why there's a three-act structure. It's just something that's pleasant to uh, a viewing and reading experience. Uh, trilogies, all that type of stuff. So that's why it had to be three people's different stories because you do just right. two people's stories. It's like he said, she said, but the third really switches it up. Gotcha. Okay, well, that's cool. That's um, my film school education page. Yeah, right well, I mean, I mean, that was four years condensed down into four minutes. <laughs> um, okay, so Wilkes' account, when the rookie, he illustrates how effective Batman is at scaring and influencing the superstitious enemies. That is very reminiscent of Detective Arnold John Flass from the recount of his encounter with Batman in Batman Year One, which I was like, oh, yeah, that's a good point. Because he's always like, he flew down and then like, Things shot out of his hands well, and stuff. Even the coloring of Batman in that uh, factory was very Batman year one. Yes, it was. You're absolutely right. It was like, yeah, it had that like grainy black and white kind of sheen, but also a bit brown tint to it as well. It's, be it's because of the warm palette of the fire that was in there in the factory. Right. It changed Batman's iconic, you know, cobalt blue that we know from the animated series into uh, a dark, desaturated, warm brown. And that's yes. the color that they used in year one. So that's why I was like, oh. And wow. a lot of film noir, right? Like it had yes. that very film yeah, it looks, noir. It film. looks practically black and white because it's all yeah. a, a hue over the top of it. Yes. So the name of the boss is never revealed in the show, which got me to think it would have been really cool if because uh, i thought like who is this boss right i thought maybe at first it was going to be one of the mob bosses from mask of the phantasm like mm. a little shout out to like chucky saul or sal valestra or buzz bronski like you know we see them later on in the movie okay <laughs> but then he had a monocle and looked like a young distinguished gentleman right Did he remind you a bit of the bad guy in um who framed roger rabbit Oh, like a little quiet bit. Quiet and like like the monocle, like all that type of stuff. He, well, do you know what I think they were going for? In my opinion, 
like he had a pencil thin mustache and like all of this look and looked very distinguished. And I thought maybe they were going for a Sherlock Holmes Moriarty type character with him because it was all about detectives, this story. And he looked to be like the guy in the Moriarty's the guy in the shadows. Right. And he looks like that kind of distinguished gentleman you wouldn't expect to be a criminal, but he is. So I thought maybe that's where they were going. Like I, I see Scarface in there. I see Maltese Falcon in this episode, double indemnity. Like it's just, this episode is pure noir. Yeah, it is. It's it is pure noir. Okay, I imagine I was thinking though is in some cool twist of a story that the boss is actually an evil young Alfred Doppelganger from like the past that's like traveled into the future. What, and like he's just Alfred's like... brother Flaufred or something like that. <laughs> <Flaufred>. <laughs> it's my brother Flaufred. <laughs> Man, they really, uh, they really gave up after you, huh, Alfred. <laughs> <laughs> you haven't met my dad, Alfred, <laughs> <laughs> and my mom, Malfred. Malfred <laughs> and Alfred Pennyworth. <laughs> Uh, and then finally, the last uh, few bits of facts here. The appearance of the Driller character is closely modelled on the character of Lothar in the movie The Rocketeer, a movie I've still not seen and I know a lot of people have nostalgia for. I thought uh, you loved that movie. No, I've still not seen it. I've only seen like clips of it and scenes, but I've never watched the whole thing. Uh, both Ron Perlman and Robbie Benson star in this episode and have both have also played the role of Beast in their versions of Beauty and the Beast in the past. Yes. So that's cool. Yeah, with that crazy lion makeup, right? crazy lion makeup yeah and then obviously robbie benson is the voice of the beast in all the disney movies like i said ron perlman's voice so fucking good right having a really good glass of wine or something you're like oh yeah (laughs) just hear it you're like oh it's rich and velvety oh it's fine vintage imagine if he just like i would buy like if he read books on tape i books on tape who buys but i mean audio books books on tape uh if he did audio books i would listen to all of them imagine if it was like building like i know furniture from ikea and he's like okay step one take side a and slot it into side b i'd be like oh, i'll be your side b <laughs> <laughs> uh a final fact is kevin conroy doesn't have a single line until the last six and a half minutes of this episode in fact he only speaks a total of six sentences so cool. that makes him the phantom in the shadows you know exactly so my question to you is what did you think of this episode i thought it was great i was not prepared to see a proper noir, like, you know, we after the episodes, we just, we literally just watched, you know, The Underdwellers, which is just, you know, a Saturday morning cartoon. Like but We enjoyed it, though. I did enjoy it, but then you see an episode like this where you're like, oh, they're actually trying to make, like, something here, you know? And do you feel like, besides episode one, this is the show, right? Like, this is the show as we know it? Like, it's, it, it's getting to me. This to me was like, someone's a fan of Dick Tracy, right? Like, yes. that, this is what this episode was. So this to me was, and I liked how it was talking about Batman sort of still being like a shadow and stuff like that. Yes. This is like reading Batman comics from the 1930s. Like it's like, the cover of the first ever Batman book is him beating up like these thugs. From, yeah, like, this that's episode. true. Yeah, yeah. That's a very good point. Now, I love this episode. I'm with you. I think it was great. I felt like, oh, we're getting into the what I remember this show being, which is like yes, the vibe, a, the vibe. It's almost been my favorite episode so far. It slightly lost. My favorite episode so far is still episode one. And it slightly lost that because the third act let me down a bit. And like I said, it would have been great if they they connected the rookie and made him like 
in on the like tape. Would, I think that's a great idea. That would have been cool just to like bring it all around, you know, and that would have been a, a lot more fun. So the third act let me down because it just kind of was like Montoya finds them, Batman's there, they fight and, you know, they catch the bad guy, they give each other the thumbs up and then it's <laughs> end of the episode. Yeah, you're right. It does have a pretty weak ending, but it, overall it's it's very, very good. Yeah, I agree. And I love Batman being this mysterious figure that, you know, is only it only exists in these stories that they're telling. I think that's really cool. I think this episode was beautifully drawn. Um, Yeah, yeah, it really was. Animation was fantastic. Gonna admit, I fancy the hell out of Montoya. uh, She's busty. No, not because of that. That's not why. (laughs) (laughs) Jesus Christ. She busted. No, I, it's because I've always had um, uh, affinity. Latina, women, Latina women. They do it for me, bud. I'll just put it right there. Yeah, yeah that's that's I mean, me too, bud. I, I, I'm with you. I get you. The music. What do you think of the music in this? Great. Amazing. Really good. Yeah, I agree. It's it's suspenseful. Uh, it's very film noir as well. Like it feels like yeah. detective, like sneaking around the alley. You know what I mean? It's like, like it's the, got that it, feel you know, the, to it. The intro to the Batman, the animated series is that's what this like felt like. Yeah. I, was, I was promised what the advertisement was, right? Batman fighting criminals in the dark. Yeah. What you see on the cover is what you're going to get. Yeah. yeah. You're totally right. It, it feels like the Gotham that I, I remember from this show finally. So, I was thinking the opening scene, really great in this episode. Like, they kick it right off. They got Montoya in the car with the rookie, giving us a brief description. Like, Bullock's supposed to meet us there. thought that was really great. But did you notice that Montoya says Bullock instead of Bullock? She's like, we're supposed to meet Bullock there. And I'm like, Bullock? She says it like three times in the episode. And I'm like, it's Bullock. Someone just said Bullock. 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 Especially because someone says like, Halfcock when it comes to the docks later and i'm mm. like bullhawk halfcock i was like why did all these words sound similar i love that bullock's car is full of fast food containers and like greasy paper napkins and a ton of cigarette butts in an ashtray like oh see, i didn't picture that so that he, so yeah that, you can't show that in a cartoon i know it's very brief but seeing this in hd i'm like oh wow i've never noticed that before there is like 20 butts just like stamped out in an do ashtray people smoke in, in batman the animated series we ever see that no, so I guess that's just implied without showing them because I censors, you know what I mean? Like they would have been like, you can't show someone having a cigarette. Yeah, absolutely. Unless they're like a real bad guy. But even then, like Penguin, does he even have like a, I don't think he does. No, I don't, I don't think, think he has his classic cigarette on the long stick thing. What is that called? Oh, it does have a name and I well, cannot remember. It. I love that cigarette and a long stick. Like that's what Penguin, he's like, nah, get me my Where is my long stick that holds my cigarette? <laughs> It has a name, but I forgot it. (laughs) Chop, chop. The interrogation room in this episode is just one big empty void. Like there's Mm. nothing in that room. And I was like, where in police headquarters is this? Like, do you think there's people in police headquarters are like, hey, Lieutenant, after we've finished this paperwork, want to go to that big empty void? It's just a big empty room in police headquarters that no one uses. (laughs) It's part of the intimidation tactic. You think they're going to a tiny room, but it's actually the world's biggest room. And they're standing in the middle of it. It's going to freak them out. Maybe we'll see the walls this time. (laughs) (laughs) When Hackle, the interrogator, uh, knocks Bullock's candy bar out of his hand, the sheer look of rage on Bullock's face (laughs) cracked me up. (laughs) He was just like, I was going to eat that. (laughs) What do you think is his candy bar of choice? Or do you think that he's just a guy that walks in, you know, sticks his mitt 
in like Ooh. the candy section and then slams it on the checkout. I see him as a Snickers man, and I'll tell you why. Okay. I can see him being like, it's got chocolate, it's got caramel or caramel, depending on where he's from. And then he's like, but he's got peanuts and that's protein. That's and I'm, I'm, well, what's not to like? Yeah, you just, you nuts are going to make my muscles big. I'm going to have a Snickers. Yeah, it's got, it's got good protein. We're doing really bad impersonations, both of us. <laughs> yeah, we character. can't do Bullock at all. We can't do Bullock. And we grew up in New Jersey. It's a devastation. <laughs> uh, what do you think of the gangsters and the thieves? I love all of them so much. They're all just like, I just felt like I said, I feel like, uh, I'm watching like or reading an old Dick Tracy book or something like that. Yeah, they all have like they're like bomb villains too, right? There's slightly something wrong with them, or they've got like a, a an interesting gadget, like the driller or the Scarface scar, the particular scar. Huge when when Batman like stands toe to toe with him. He's like standing in front of a mattress. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's a perfect way to describe him. Uh, yeah, he's a big dude. He definitely is. I love that the rookie thinks that Batman has all these special abilities and like mm. superhuman abilities when he's recounting the the interaction he had with him. I think that's really cool. Wouldn't you? Because I mean, I assume Superman's already established at this point. Like you'd be like, oh, here's another guy that has amazing abilities. Yeah, and of course he's a myth, right? You don't know if Batman's human or not. So yeah, that's really cool. And I'm sure Batman's like, yeah, keep that shit that way. I'm not going to correct you. Like, yeah. I do have superpowers. Yep, yeah, definitely do. I love when he's just like, and he just, Batman just points at him and the guy goes down. Yeah, yeah. That's so cool. So I could see, as I was saying before, the flashback segues and where Bullock and Montoya's would be. Because the internal affairs guy, the interrogator, asked Bullock, like, why didn't you wait for your team? And the camera zooms in on him and he looks to be like recalling a memory as it's zooming in. And I was like, that's where they put it. And the same for Montoya when she's called a liar. She looks down and she shakes her head and she looks to be remembering something as, again, the camera zooms in. So I was like, OK, that's where in the script they cut those scenes out. It would have been cool to see, but as you said, it probably would have overrun the episode. Yeah. When Batman pushes Montoya out of the way of the collapsing roof, right, he has like a good three seconds to jump out the way but instead yeah. no mate i i'm gonna take this shit yeah do you think he thinks he's so strong and badass at this point that he's just like even yeah. a collapsing burning roof is not gonna yeah. kill me flaming charred bits of wood just falling <laughs> at his face he's like bring it <laughs> i'm batman to be fair it didn't kill him he lived he did live so you know what he won that one he, he knew that yeah uh so if i was hackle and the three cops were telling me two stories with each story you've got bullock with one version and then you've got the rookie and montoya with the other one he was just like i got two stories here and three people which one do i believe and i'm like uh, the two story one the two story one <laughs> ah, yeah. this is a really tough one <laughs> two of the stories are the same one's different ah. Ah. <laughs> oh this is a big ah. case for me i, can't, I don't know why they pay me the big bucks because i gotta make these <laughs> tough decisions <laughs> I'm going to go with story number four, the guy I haven't interviewed yet. <laughs> uh, so Montoya discovers Batman is tied up in a warehouse. And when Batman's tied up, and I know it's his plan to escape and he's tricking them. He just wants to know where their boss is, which was pretty cool, I guess. But at one point, they must have found him unconscious. And wouldn't you unmask him the moment you found him unconscious? Absolutely. Be like, oh, look, it's unconscious Batman. Who is he? Oh. Bruce Wayne. It's Unless Miles the, Teller. It's Miles Teller. <laughs> okay, I cracked up at this moment in the warehouse 
there's a goon that comes running in and he faces down with Montoya and he holds his hands up in this like grabby way. Did you see this? And then for like 10 seconds, he just looks like he either wants to grab Montoya's boobies or like he's, or he's having a stroke or something like, or it's a weird dance move. I'm like, what's going on there? Maybe he's an eye plucker or something, right? Like the way he's standing. Pluck some eyes, baby. (laughs) They call me the plucker. Everyone else has a gimmick here. We got the driller. We got Scarface. I'm plucking. Plucker, baby, I'm I plucker. I've <laughs> two big, beautiful eyes. I'm gonna pluck right at you. Ah, I just made this one up. I don't have a thing, and I felt left out. <laughs> Is this working for you? Is this working yeah. for you? I get I, plucked. <laughs> get plucked. <laughs> Batman grappling up to the crane with Montoya in his arms it gave me real batman 89 vibes yeah, yeah. you know what a lot of this whole episode was had 89 vibes with it the did score, the darkness yes. and just the odes to like gangsters right and them trying to break into the safe felt like nicholson and his crew trying to break in the safe yes axis chemicals um so i was expecting batman to say to montoya like how much do you weigh but uh then i laughed because imagine if you and me were in that scenario and batman's just like how much do you weigh? <laughs> Batman, I'm pushing 300, bud. You're going to have to take this one yourself. The You're grapp- only five foot six. <laughs> if you have another grappling hook, I mean, we could do this. And Batman's like, my limit is 180. <laughs> got any snacks in that utility belt, bud? Any Snickers bars? I mean, I'll stay down here if you got a snack. <laughs> How much do you weigh? And I'd be—I take it so personally as well. I'd be like, I want to tell you, Batman. I don't know what you're going to do with that information. And he'd then look, you—he'd look you up and down, suss you out immediately. <laughs> he's like four foot two, eight hundred pounds. Four foot two, eight hundred pounds. Oh my god! Oh god! <laughs> it's like a fridge laying down. <laughs> <laughs> what the wide way? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like a fucking coffin walking around. <laughs> oh, oh, for two eight hundred. Fucking hell! Such an exaggeration. Holy crap! I just I think that would be so funny, and be like Batman. I'm not gonna make it, bud. <laughs> like, <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> leave me, bud. One of my limbs is 100 pounds. We're not going anywhere. (laughs) And then I think about Batman 89, where Vicky Vale goes about 108, I think. And I'm like, that's so, that's like deathly skinny for a woman of that height. I'm like, 108. Hollywood weights make no sense. That was crazy. I said, me and my wife were watching a show. uh, She was watching um, This Is Us. And there's a a fat character in that. um, And she like, they say her weight at one point and it's like 220 pounds. I'm like, that is not correct. I was like, I was a skinny man when I was doing. <laughs> yeah. It's always an exact, it's like height where like they're big, like Tom Cruise big, is five, seven. I'm like, that dude is five, three on a good day. Like five, seven, my ass. But anyone like in Hollywood, like if someone weighs 200 pounds, they look like the whale basically. <laughs> uh, so back to the episode, Montoya dropping the load off of the crane into the dock and sinking the bad guys was fun. Especially the one guy holding on to like the last bit of wood, like felt very yeah, like cartoony Looney Tunes as yeah. he sunk in. Batman drives that forklift and the Danny Elfman theme plays when he does. So Batman straight up again, p- potentially murdering people. <laughs> yeah. He drives that forklift jumps off of it the forklift people are like just hanging out right if it was a few meters off it would have 
come in and killed those two men like playing cards. <laughs> but now these two men who are just playing cards, uh, the water's filling up around they're them. They're going to drown. They've got to escape. The, and uh, the like, ship is sinking and Batman's like, that'll stop them. Eight million dollars worth of damage to exactly. save two million of like stolen money. He's, I watched that scene. And you know what I said? I was like, Maybe vigilantism is not the answer to everything. Like, I was like, I'm, I'm feeling a bit bullock in this moment. Like, that's fucked up. I mean, especially, like, the fact that he sinks a cruise liner and destroys a dock. Yeah. Like, that was so much damage. I'm like, buddy, that does not equal what these petty thieves have stolen in the grand scheme of things. Uh, but him on the forklift really made me laugh because it just, when it panned out, it was like, supposed to be a cool moment i'm like batman does not look cool driving a forklift and there's no way a forklift he's going like 80 miles per hour <laughs> yeah. like, what is this like the fast and the forklift or something like that it's like they don't go that fast they're like a golf cart they go like what 20 miles per hour tops when you hear your bat family <laughs> wait isn't that the olive garden phrase yes yeah. welcome to olive garden when you hear your, your forklift because you eat so much of all their bottomless salads and bread things that you're going to be the size of a forklift. Uh, but I, I did think with him on the forklift, like, I wonder if there's cosplayers out there that that's how they feel. Like, you know, by weekday, I work in a warehouse stocking shelves, but on the weekends, I'm Batman. <laughs> yeah, just driving like a forklift. Halloween, just like dresses Batman using the forklift. <laughs> so uh, at the end, we've got Gordon going real dark like split personality two-faced dark because he grabs hackle and hackle's got this nice purple suit on as well i was like oh he, he looks good and he just grabs him and he's just like grabs him by the collar shakes him down grabs the badges and then just shoves him out the way like he's trash like he proper shoves him out the way i was like that dude is flat on the floor after that then what's even more worrying is he turns to the cops after he's done that and he's just smiling like nothing's happened and he's like here's mm. your badges well done he's happy and calm i'm like buddy that there's some real like polarizing uh emotions going on here and then finally at the end of this episode montoya hands the cops back their badges she says it was a team effort bullock does begrudgingly agree and that is the end of the episode and yeah, I really dug this one. I felt like it was more the vibe, as we said. But that last act just kind of falls flat for me where I'm like, mm, we're not quite there yet. Yeah. Um, and I tell you what, bud, do you know what the next episode is? Where we're not going to be quite there at all. But I do have a very like, I have so much love for this episode. We are going to review The Forgotten, which just to remind you is... Is that... Yes. I love that episode when he forgets who he is and he's working on a farm. I love it. Work. I gotta eat. <laughs> I can't wait. And you know what? We're going to have to cast that guy. <laughs> Me. <laughs> done. You've done it again, bud. I've done it, I've done it again. <laughs> oh my God. That's I think amazing. I'd play that guy pretty well, actually. You would. You would play that guy pretty well. Uh, yeah, I I can't wait to watch it. I'm really looking forward to it, especially the music in that episode. So much fun. All right, we're going to get into our first segment of this episode, which is Love That Batman. Love That Batman! All right, if you don't know, each and every episode, we review our favorite Batman moment because there's so many cool moments that Batman does, so many cool things in the show that we can't just pick one. So every time we watch an episode, we pick our favorite moment. So 
I've got a few here. I've narrowed it down to the one that I want to choose, but there were quite a few as I was going along that I wrote down. So I'll go first with the ones that I chose and then the one that I think is the winner. Right at the beginning, Bullock looks up at the rooftop, which is on fire, and you see Batman silhouetted, and he gasps as Batman like leaps out of frame with his cape expanded, and his theme plays, and it's just so fucking cool. I'm yeah. just like, oh, that Batman looks so cool up there with the fire behind him. Bullock is telling his version of the story as he enters the building, and we see Batman's shadow appear on the wall. That was my second one. Like He goes into the building, and then Batman's like shadow upside down appears on the wall. So that was really cool. But the one I think is the winner, bub, is at the end when the goon is firing the Tommy gun at the crane. Batman leaps down and takes him out, which is a cool moment, but not my favorite. Right after he like takes him out, he's hunched over him and he turns around and the camera angle is from his back. And it's just this close up silhouette and his eyes are like this bright white and they narrow. He looks, you know me, I'm choosing the silhouette every single time. That was my one as well. But I also love, the way his cape is like spread out on top of the villain as well. Me too. When he first jumps down. It's yeah. great stuff, bud. It's great. Because as I watch these episodes now, I like pay attention to like the that so Batman thing to find it. And there was like a few. And then like the moment I saw him turn with his eyes squid, I was like, yep, that's it. Done. Yeah, me exactly. Yeah. I had a few, as I said, but the moment I saw that, I was like, there's the winner right there. All right. Our next segment is Riddle Me This, William. Focus, focus, focus. But you'll still have to answer the riddle. I can't believe it's luck. Oh, darn. Now there's a riddle for you. A lucky guess, that's all. Now, now, no sore losers. <laughs> this is a quiz game where I ask my brother several questions about this episode to make sure he's paying attention. If he gets three more or right, he lives. If he gets two or less, he dies. All right, question one, William, are you ready? I am. Okay, that, was, that wasn't the question, by the way. Okay, question one. Riddle me this, William. How did the fire start in the warehouse? I don't know. You don't know? <laughs> nope. They, sh- they show it several times. I know that Montoya loses her shotgun into it. She does lose her shotgun into the fire, but that is not the answer I'm looking for. Would you like a clue? Sure. One of the henchmen has a weapon that causes this fire. And it's not a flamethrower before you think that. No, no. The answer is an axe to the fuse box. One of the henchmen swings an axe, misses Bullock. I clearly was not paying attention then. No. Apparently you didn't care about Bullock's story. No. (laughs) Question two, riddle me this, William. What word did the rookie overhear the thief saying to Batman when being interrogated? Hatchcock? No, it's a profession. Or a... Um, Drilling? They thought it was a person, but it actually ended up being a place. Doc. Well done. I thought that would be the biggest hint of all, so... But you got it. Question three, riddle me this, William, what is the name of the dock warehouse that Montoya overhears the thugs say and discovers them on her own? Hatchcock? Hathcock, yeah, I'll give that to you because it sounds like Hatchcock. So Hathcock is the correct answer. Question four, riddle me this, William, when Batman grapples Montoya to safety and asks her if she's alright, she responds with a one-word answer. What was that one word? So he grapples up. I have no idea. 
He goes, are you okay? Are you all right? And she goes, and it begins with a D. And it's a very, like, I Dude. don't know. It's a, it's a very, like, dad thing to say. Am I all right? Dead air. Dead <laughs> air. Uh, the answer is dandy. Dandy. I obviously was not paying attention. These are no. hard. These are hard. Dandy. Well, they kind of are, but I mean, like, what questions can I ask that aren't, like, super obvious? Come on, buddy. You got this. Question five. Last question. We've only got one right, so you're going to die. I'm how, right, then. how does Montoya capture the boss? With a big crane thing, and she chomps him up and pulls him up. Correct. So you got two. <laughs> so you're you're dead. I'm sorry. You, you oh, died. Yeah, I died a long time ago. Yeah, you died. <laughs> with, with Way before happiness. this podcast. <laughs> yeah. I'm hungry. I haven't eaten yet. Is Snickers on you or something? <laughs> Snickers is not a sponsor of this episode. No. The last category of the day of this episode of games is Ace the Bat Sound. Okay, this is a game I play with my brother where I play a leitmotif or a musical score that is related to a character's first appearance. Usually it's a villain, but sometimes it won't be. If he manages to name the character, he gets one point. If he can describe the episode that this character first appears in, he gets two points. If he can name the episode, he gets three points. Are you ready to hear the score? Yes. enjoying that that was just very pleasant so this is supposed to be a villain's theme this is a villain's theme so someone that's a cool cat it is i will tell you right now i'll just give you this it's not the jazz man who appears in like one episode of this show right. okay because i know that's kind of jazzy and maybe that's where your mind can go so it's not the jazz man got that very like mobster kind of vibe with some you know some jazz elements to it Skullface? as well Bang on the money, bud! It is Scarface. Well done. Yes. So, Scarface, can you describe what happens in the first episode of Scarface? Um, do they take a long time to reveal that Scarface is a puppet in the episode? They do. Well done. I'll give you, you the points his, just for you that. You hear his voice, right, for a while and stuff like that. Batman even studies his voice and he's like, I worked with like magicians when I traveled the world yes. that would put them to shame because the computer even thinks it's two separate voices that's cool very good and yeah. there's like two big thugs right rhino is one of them you're right Rhino's yes. this big rhino thug. which i remember when you and i were like writing a batman the animated series fan fiction we had him as a character yeah rhino's a great character yeah, yeah. and yeah they uh the whole plot is to like steal and batman discovers that it's being this yeah little... no, i think i know the episode yeah yeah uh now i would be very very impressed if you can name the episode so I won't be surprised if you can't. Scarface. I will tell you... Something do with dual, I would think, or two. Now I will tell you one word that is okay. in the title. It's the last word of the title, which is lips. Something, something, lips. Something, something, lips. Behind these lips. 
<laughs> that's not a bad guess uh i like i said i'd be very impressed if you knew it is read my lips read my lips that's very good it's a great uh yeah it's a great title episode okay and just because i like to play them because i do a lot of work so i don't want it to go to waste i always have a voice clip in case you needed a hint which you didn't but i'm gonna play that voice clip right now it was a trap bats start to finish and you fell for it like a world-class sucker the dummy here spilled the beans you'd been in his room. The dummy here spilled the beans you'd been in his room. And he called him a dummy, but he actually himself is a legitimate dummy. <laughs> 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 I thought that would be the giveaway in case you needed the hint. All right, and our final category of the day is what you doing with your life. Buddy, what are you listening to? What are you reading? What are you watching? What gets you going? Well, I had a fun experience yesterday where you know i have my new record player that i got for christmas so i've been reintroducing myself to all my old vinyls which i love but since it's got a wireless bluetooth speaker i realized like i can take the speaker and put it in my bathroom as i take a shower and like listen to a record oh shit that's and cool. then my wife was like even better than that you own singles i could dj for you while you're in the bathroom with singles i was like this sounds like a lot of fun Let's do it. <laughs> That's such an extra thing for your wife to do. Well, she was very sweet. Like, um, she gets me like a single now for Valentine's Day every year, which is really nice present. And it's usually like a love song. Right. That's got, cool. She got me this year. How deep is your love by the Bee Gees, which is one of my all time favorite songs. Um, so she was DJing. So I had in the shower, I had, and it's great because I haven't, I, you know, I can't remember what singles I own. So she put on Lowrider, which is such a good shower song. I was like scrub my ass, like. The funny part is, is that you can't be a Lowrider because you can't even bend <laughs> your body <laughs> more than an inch. Uh, and then she put on a uh, Fantasy, which is another one of my all-time favorite songs by Earth, Wind, and Fire. Good song. Uh, How deep is your love? And yeah, it was great. So like, it was awesome being like DJ'd. And hearing like the song would end, and obviously there's a, there's a pause because she has to change the the disc. But the moment you're like you get excited because you hear the needle drop, so you're like, oh, what's coming? Like I don't know what it's gonna be. <laughs> like it was really fun. I really enjoyed it. So that was a stupid little thing. But then I guess the only other thing I'm doing is I'm still watching The Walking Dead. We decided to skip a few seasons after Rick leaves the show. Really? Because we recently watched them like a year or two ago. Oh, I see. Okay. And I was like, I would. I'm at, I was like, I'm at the point now where I'd rather just get to where we were. Right. Um. So we watched recaps on YouTube of of the the Whisperer War, and I was watching. I was like, man, I kind of wish I rewatched this because there's a lot of cool shit in here. <laughs> it doesn't matter. And now we're on the the final season of The Walking Dead. Right. We had to get through an absolute boring fucking uh few episodes with this new daryl love interest that was just i we were both me and my wife were like can this be over please because the other story that's going on is the commonwealth which is you know as you you read the walking dead it's the big final place that's like a town that has tens of thousands of people in it it's way more interesting yeah and now we're at the point where they they've all joined the town and it's like life's back to normal but now there's like the class divide and it's like you know capitalism all this stuff so that's really good and i'm enjoying that uh, and then I, I've enjoyed uh, going back to The Walking Dead so much that I've started rereading it. Oh, wow. Um, okay. And I really enjoy that. I've been checking out the deluxe versions that's been coming out because they are in full color. 
which is really cool. But also I, I read the first issue of Walking Dead Deluxe and it was fascinating because they're like, yeah, this book failed a couple of times in the pitch stage. Here's the first five pages of one version of the story uh, drawn by Tony Moore, the artist that did not get approved by Image. Oh, and shit. What, what was this, the first five pages? The book was originally called Night of the Living Dead. Oh, no. Because that went into public domain. And he was like, you know, he was a young writer, like, great, I'm going to use this known title oh, so to piggy bank off of. Right. With like, Did you just on... say piggy bank off of? I piggy bank, yes. <laughs> <laughs> but he's going to fill up his piggy bank from it, isn't he? Yeah, piggy back off of it, yeah. Um, and it starts with the classic, like, guy on the TV being like, the dead have come back to life, lock your doors and all this stuff. And it's Rick and Laurie, like, on the sofa, like, that's ridiculous. And it's set in the 60s as well. Oh, wow, that's um, so weird. And they're like, that, that's not going to happen. And then there's, like, thud, thud. And, like, who's at the door at this time of night? And he opens the door. Zombie! It's a, it's a zombie. And it's like, ah! The zombie then, politely knocked. Before. Yeah, it was thud, thud. Um, <laughs> and then he, Laurie's like, oh, my God. And then Rick, like, shoots him through the mouth. And, like, that's it. And the editorial notes are like, this is extremely basic. Like, this is, like, how a crappy horror movie starts, like, you need something more. So he went back to the drawing board after that and came up with him waking up from a coma and being separated from his family, which obviously is a much better choice. But then um, Jim Valentino, who he was, who's a, it, you know, one of the founding members of Image, he said to him, don't do Night of the Living Dead. You've come up with a completely original story. You should own it. If, if you attach it to an already separate property, it would always be part of that. So change the title. So he just changed to The Walking Dead. Wow. And the rest was history. So that's why the books actually started in black and white, because it was an ode. Well, I always thought it was an ode to Night of the Living Dead, being in black and white. But it was also, it was two things. It was, originally it was Night of the Living Dead, and two, obviously putting in black and white, you save a lot of money on printing costs. Right. That's really um, cool. Yeah. So I thought that was really fascinating. And, and it was crap. I was like, man, this is very generic stuff. Well, that's uh, that's fun. I like I like knowing stories like that and how a story that you love ended up being the story that you love and the journey yeah. it went on. And you know the classic with that where they were like, "We're not going to do just a zombie book. It needs a hook." Yes. And he, and he said, "Oh, it's an alien invasion. I'm I'm like leaving seeds around." And then like if I issue two, they were like, "Where's all that stuff?" He's like, "Yeah, I made that shit up." <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but the book's selling. Exactly. Yeah. 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 No, that's great. Um, for me, I'm watching Superman, the animated series, still going through it, still watching, which I'm really enjoying. I checked out a movie that they made for Superman, the animated series. Oh, that yeah. didn't, you know how they did like Master of the Phantasm and all these spin-off movies from the shows. They made one called Superman Brainiac Attacks. And I'm like, well, I like Brainiac from this show. Mm -hmm. Okay. And I read the description. It's like Brainiac Attacks and Lex Luthor and Brainiac team up to take down Superman. I'm like, that sounds great. It is the worst fucking DCA DCAU movie I've ever seen. It's so, so bad. Really? It, if you're 10 or younger, you'll like it. But it's so pandering to children and like really just stupid, dumb humor. And the voices are different. Still Tim Daly being Superman, but Lex Luthor isn't voiced by Clancy Brown, who is just always he's my favorite lex Luthor now like mm -hmm. watching clancy brown he's just so good it's voiced by powers booth who oh you, that's pretty cool 
it you think it would be, but he goes for like I'm on a Saturday morning or, cartoon. Oh, really? For our listeners, if you don't know who Powers Booth is, if you've ever seen Sin City, yep. he's the the father of Fall uh, Down Like Bastard. a Pack of Cards. Yeah, um, but you're nice and healthy. Like I just, yeah, he's got such a great speaking voice. He's also in Tombstone. Well. Bye. <laughs> Which is one of the best gifts ever. And he's he's in Brooklyn Nine Nine as like the old detective that's like a racist. That um, yeah, uh, the main character. That's right. Movie. He is. Yeah. I mean, he died a few years ago. He did. Yeah. Um. But great oh, speaking voice. His great speaking voice, but his Lex Luthor just he was trying to almost be too Gene Hackman, but like he hammed it up. That's that's what he would think Lex Luthor is, right? Yeah, but he hammed it up so much because he's like, it's a kid's cartoon. So he would be like, well, if Superman falls into my clutches, maybe I'll get to finally get rid of him. And you're like, no, that doesn't work. Mm, I don't want to see Powers Booth doing that. Especially because Clancy Brown just like brings that game where you're like, oh, dude, that's so Lex Luthor. Like he's just so like menacing and he just he has that gravelly voice that works for Lex. (laughs) That's just Krusty Krab, which is so weird. But um, and oh also, yeah, that's right. But I can't get out now. When I think of Clancy Brown, I just think of the latest season of Dexter, when he just has that sniper rifle and like that tied up lady, and it's like run, bitch. Like and I, <laughs> like I just hear Lex Luthor saying run, bitch. And I'm like, oh, that's weird. <laughs> Lex Luthor would probably do that. <laughs> yeah. He's got that much money and time. So uh, yeah, that's all I'm watching right now. I'm not really reading much. The only thing I'm reading is. The new Batman Adventures, which is connected to the animated series that Paul Dini and Alan Burnett are on. Um, Kevin Altieri, the director of the episode today, is doing some art for that book now. And it looks great. I saw some pages he posted the other day and I was like, wow, this dude, not only a director, but talented artist as well. It's really cool. All right, bud, that's all the time we've got for this week. Join us next time where we'll continue talking all things Batman the Animated Series. Again, head into the description below, check out Will's Kickstarter, which will have launched this Wednesday, the day that this episode aired. So if you're listening to it, it's out. Go check it out. It's out. It's out right now. But until then, I've been Alex Robson. I've been Will Robson. And remember that we are vengeance. We are the night. We are a podcast. Goodbye. Doodles. Well, I had something funny happen to me today that was oh, yeah? super what? nerdy. Um, so I went to the grocery store and I was waiting in line. And there's a couple behind me. And the girl was quizzing her boyfriend on Batman. And she was asking him like fairly basic questions like um, what's uh, the full name of Bruce's butler? So he obviously knew Alfred, but then he paused and he was Wait, like, there was hey. someone doing a Batman quiz in front of you? Behind me, in line, yes. And we were like, mm, Yes. I know a podcast on Batman the Animated Series. Yeah. So I didn't say any of that. I was just enjoying the secondhand version of their game. Yeah. Uh, and then she was like, who runs the R&D department for Wayne Enterprises?
Mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, okay, it's Lucia, Lucia's Fox. Yeah. And he's like, oh, it's Morgan Freeman. And she's like, well, Morgan Freeman plays this character, but what's the character's name? And he's like, oh, shit. And he's trying to think of it. And I'm just in line like, oh, I don't want to say it, but I'm not going to interfere with this game. So I go up to pay and he still doesn't remember. So mm-hmm. as I finished paying, they were going up. I just turned around. I went, Lucius Fox. And he's went, that's it. And she's like, you're <laughs> cheating. <laughs> well, really that's funny. fun. Yeah, it was fun. I was like, well, that was a nice. Were exchange. you wearing your Batman the Animated Series t-shirt? Yes, I currently, because this happened today, I currently happen to be wearing my Batman the Animated Series t-shirt, which now I've realized because I've forgotten I was wearing it today. I've now realized that I must have looked like such a supernova when I turned around with a Batman t-shirt on and went, leash is fucks. Yeah, I just wish you were like, I do a podcast about this. You can check it on any platform that's available. I'm also <laughs> uploading a ton of fun videos to TikTok and Instagram. You should really check them out. <laughs> At Batman TAS pod. Mm. See you there. Well, that's fun. Well, I've been in bed all day. <laughs> <laughs> so that's fun too. I like getting up slow on a Sunday. Yeah, I was up way too early this morning. I was almost annoyed at how early I was awake. Uh, well, you you already wake up too early. I know, but I, I should get up. Been what up time early. do you usually wake up? Like five o'clock in the morning? Yeah, between five and six, yeah. And you go to bed at what time? Eleven. How are you not a haggard, like, disgusting-looking person <laughs> in such <laughs> low that? sleep? I don't know. I don't if know. I don't, if I don't get eight to nine hours, I'm a mess. And well, so like when I when I'm not exercising, I sleep more. Isn't that weird? So because I've been gone back to the gym the last month and I've been like into my routine and getting back into my yeah, but fitness. Exercise gives you energy, though. Exactly. But like I'm I'm almost annoyed that my body at like now at 5 a.m. is like, let's go. You want to go do something? I'm like, no, what I time... want to sleep. What time do you start exercising, though? Like 10 a.m.? So you exercise in the morning and it gives you more energy in the morning? Well, I exercise at 10 a.m. And then for some reason, it just carries over into that night. And I wake up at 5 a.m. the next day, ready to go. But I don't want to go. You know, I'm like, I don't need yeah, like, to go. I also eat a bag of sugar at night before I go to sleep. <laughs> and a line of cocaine. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Also, the coffee you make is like the coffee that would fuel an army in one cup so <laughs> and now i'm doing the pizza gig in a cafe i have a usually have a cup of coffee when i start work in the evenings i, I, I can't drink coffee if i have a coffee now i get such a severe headache and i feel like shit that's that's so weird yeah it doesn't caffeine sometimes makes me sleepy like if i have a hot coffee sometimes i'm like mm, i want to go take a nap after that <laughs> like that shouldn't be uh, the case it's weird i can't have it it makes me feel like garbage I drink uh, a Sprite a day and then just water besides that. But mainly I drink, you know, whiskey and (laughs) and wine. That'll do it. You're like, oh, this coffee's giving me a headache. I didn't have eight glasses of whiskey before it or anything. That's got nothing to do with it. I'm a very heavy drinker, but I still don't start drinking till like six o'clock in the evening. But then when six o'clock in the evening rolls around, I'll drink... Anywhere from three to seven very large glasses of whiskey. Whoa, that was a huge <laughs> I drink a, I drink a bottle of whiskey a week. Jesus Christ. And you're like, and oh, then I, and then I have a glass a of, <laughs> I, have a, I have a glass of wine with um, supper as well. 
Um, oh, that that that's you know that's the that's too far. When six o'clock rolls down rolls around, I become Winston Churchill. But like <laughs> before before six o'clock, I'm just like drinking water and stuff like that. All right, let's do a podcast, shall we? Yeah.